Hi friend, it's Jessica. Welcome back to Guru, please. This conversation is about the voice, but it's also about being ourselves and being authentic. You'll be hearing about why oftentimes we don't express our authentic selves and what we can do and how we can practice speaking our truth. Whether or not you're a speaker or performer or singer using your voice in a professional manner, I think you'll still find this episode helpful because we all use our voices in a different way. We also talk about what it means to have a voice on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual levels, and how we can't actually separate one from the other. There's so much jam-packed into this conversation. I'm still kind of mulling things over and letting them kind of simmer in my own mind. So I hope you find this helpful for you in expressing what is authentic to you and for you. If you haven't already, please consider leaving a review for this show on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. And I'd love to hear your feedback. So without further ado, please enjoy this very special episode. Hello and welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. I'm your host, Jessica Sun. I'd like to introduce Alyssa Weinzimmer. Alyssa is a voice and presence coach and the founder of Voice Body Connection. After suddenly losing her own voice at age 21, Alyssa began studying the mechanics of voice. Over time, she developed a unique approach that empowers performers, leaders, and speakers to optimize their voices and share them more authentically. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here, Jessica. Let's start off with your journey and your story about losing your voice. You were Yeah. Yeah, you were a singer, you're a performer and I can imagine that that was just a, a dramatic point where kind of things started shifting for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll kind of paint you a picture. I was 21 years old. I was a senior at the University of California down in LA. Up until this point in my life when I was 21, I I'd, I'd been like a performer through and through, um, musical theater, dancing, acting, singing. I was doing a lot of musicals. I was in an acapella group. So if anyone has seen the movie Pitch Perfect, my life was like that, honestly. <laughs> Basically, we, we actually, it really like, honestly, we could make a movie that was this weekend. We were on acapella retreat with my acapella group a weekend in February 2007. I was rehearsing. We were singing my solo over and over, which was what a feel like, what a feeling over and over and over and over. <laughs> Sometimes they call it screelting, scream belting it. And I blew out my vocal cords. So it was actually a combination of things because of course, part of it too was in the evenings. I was drinking a bunch of alcohol because yo, last semester of college, live it up, you know? And so <laughs> I was really trying to Joy in my life and the combination of the acid reflux came from all the alcohol I was drinking and the push my vocal folds, which led to a vocal hemorrhage, led me to have to go on vocal rest for a month, as in like no talking. And, and the part that I didn't figure out until many years later is that I could have been given a diagnosis called muscle tension dysphonia, which is really just a fancy way of saying that muscle tension, so like the clamping that you know, gradually occurred over time, eventually just kind of strangled my voice, made me dysphonic, made me, made it hard, painful to make sound. So that's what happened. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. How did you kind of address that, deal with it, manage it? You know, how did your life change from that? Yeah. So looking back now, I think my answer is I dissociated, <laughs> um, which is actually a way to a, a very adaptive, you know, human thing to do when we experience something traumatic because we can't process it. So I didn't have much emotional support at that time in my life. I had never been to therapy. Not only was I not allowed to talk, but I didn't know how to talk about what had happened to me. So it took me many years to start cracking open um, emotionally what had happened. Like we're talking in recent years, I've had a lot more access to language around that. But what I did do is on a physical level, I turned into a ninja relatively quickly. So I had been taking all sorts of different voice training my whole life. Most of it was singing training, but some theater voice training as well. And I started taking classes in theater voice techniques. I very quickly started learning things that could have helped my vocal stamina, my vocal health, my understanding of how to have a voice that was fully mine, authentically mine, instead of just quote unquote good. Hmm. And as I encountered a different way to train human voices, a deeper understanding of how human voices work, I was like, oh my goodness, I really wish someone had told me all of this, had taught this to me. And so it didn't take very long, maybe within a year, I I felt super devoted to becoming a voice teacher. And so I signed up for my first teacher training program in Fitzmorris Voice Work. And I've done a whole bunch of training since then, yoga teacher training. Right now I'm finishing my certification in a somatic practice called Body Mind Centering. And of course, in the midst of all of it, I also got a graduate degree in theater voice work. So. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, your way was to learn more about learn what more. exactly happened. Yeah. Yeah. Learn more and eventually process the traumatic part of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what was the root of the trauma, do you think? Or for you, like looking back emotionally, you said you weren't supported in it. Was it more of an emotional trauma than a physical one? Yeah, I think so. So something that came back to me flashback style within the past year or so, uh, maybe like two-ish years ago, is I started to remember that when I was nine years old, I would go back on the playground, like back past the playground on the field at my elementary school. And a friend and I would sit back there and we would like kind of chant, basically. We would write these really simple kind of spiritual songs. And Then that was probably like when I was nine-ish, like I remember going back there in like third and fourth grade. And then in fifth grade, we started music classes at school. My music teacher decided I was a favorite of hers, which, you know, as cool as that was, it was a lot of pressure. Like people don't talk so much about how damaging it can, it can be to be good, like to be considered good. I just think the good, the good, bad paradigm in general is just problematic in our educational system. So I just felt a lot of pressure to make sound in the way I was getting taught to make sound, to like learn the techniques I was learning, like solfege, which is the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. I, like I wasn't making sound intuitively anymore. I wasn't like my own person with my voice. And really what happened is progressively over the course of time, that dynamic escalated, escalated, escalated until I was a senior in college, planning to move to New York City and audition for Broadway, like putting all this pressure on myself to be, you know, a musical theater star. And like it all kind of erupted. Mm. And then the pathway 
back from that has been that I have been remembering the nine-year-old me on the playground that wrote those songs. I've started writing songs like that again. I actually just recorded my first song uh, this past week. So it's it's so interesting. It's like, it's a cliche, but I'm finding my voice again, for real. Wow. <laughs> so. wow. Yeah. And, you know, as children, we do grow up and we're kind of given these systems, whether it's, you know, a musical system to, to be in or educational system. There's a kind of a way that's provided to us that's quote unquote the right way or the the better way yeah Yeah. and what you're saying is you know before we had that we had our own internal intuitive systems of creating you know music and how does it work for you now to connect to that because you almost need to like forget what you were taught for so many years yeah well I I mean I this is part of the reason I love the name of your podcast and the premise, you know, Guru, please. It's because we have these, what we would think of as we pervert the idea of Guru, but like Mm -hmm. these people around us who we like think that we need to listen to that have the answers and the answers are outside of us. And I definitely did so much of that. And I mean, in fairness, I have a lot of mentors in my life who have been so profoundly, you know, important for me, but What guru actually means is remover of darkness and the greatest guru we have is inside ourselves. It's just been a sense of healing and becoming whole again to remember myself and remember my voice and shed is what it feels like. Shed all these things that I got taught, not so that I can't necessarily use them, but so that like when I'm deciding to, you know, sing a song from the sound of music or do a warm up the way I got taught to do warm ups in choir growing up. Like I'm choosing that. I'm not doing it as the only way and the only option. Because mm, there are so many other options, mostly stemming from within, that are mm-hmm. you know just as good and yeah, just as mm-hmm. desirable. So I'm curious, how does our voice work? Um, mm-hmm. Not just physically, but how does it tie into? Because you're your company is called Voice Body Connection. How does it tie into the body? I like to think that the question we're addressing in the realm of Voice Body Connection is what does it mean to have a voice? And when I ask that question, I'm asking that question on a handful of levels. On a physical level, what does it mean to have a voice? Like, what is my voice? On a mental level, what does it mean to have a voice? On an emotional level, what does it mean to have a voice? On a spiritual level, what does it mean to have a voice? On a physical level, our voice is made up of a larynx and vocal cords and all of the mechanisms of our breath support, as we like to call it, which actually include our diaphragm, our abdominal muscles, our abdominal contents, our rib cage, our lungs, our windpipe. So you can see that like the elements of like i could i could say you have a voice and be referring to a metaphor but i also could say you have a voice and be referring to your vocal cords mm-hmm. so our voice is made of our body part of what i love about voice body connection is it's playing with this idea that we already sort of understand of mind body connection and understanding that there's kind of a false false dichotomy between mind and body because as any good buddhist will tell you the mind is in the body right mm-hmm. our consciousness is in every cell of our body and therefore the impulse for our expression is in every cell of our body Um, so 
what I like to do, I mean, essentially, this is what I had to do for myself. And this is what I love to do for my students is help people understand how the machine works so that we can use it better. I didn't know how my machine worked. I didn't know why it was important to do a warm up. Like I got it, we were doing them, but I didn't understand why it was important. And now understanding how the diaphragm moves, understanding how the vocal folds function, I understand why it's important to do a warm up. And really, primarily, the reason it's important to do a warm up has to do with our nervous system, which mm -hmm. is if you want to do things differently, if you want to shift habits which a way of saying that is if you want to change the neurological pathways that you're following in your nervous system, then you got to let it know what that feels like, right? Your nervous system understands kinesthetic experience. It doesn't understand just the idea of a thing necessarily. We can drop in the idea, but then we have to follow the pathways for real to understand what that feels like. And a warm up, for instance, is a chance to check in with your nervous system and say, hey, body, hey, psyche, this is how I'd like to do things. Here we go. Yeah. And when we don't warm up, initially, it might not be such a bad thing, but there are the cumulative effects of that. Yeah. Essentially, a really primary concept to think about really in any realm of our lives is, am I doing what I'm doing with an economy of effort? Mm -hmm. In other words, am I doing what I'm doing with the effort that's necessary, but releasing any excess effort? As soon as we start trying to accomplish things with excess effort, we're going to be building up kind of like layers of gunk <laughs> mm -hmm. that, aren't, that aren't necessary and that cause us extra energy, extra exertion, extra effort. So really mastery of anything is about doing the necessary and releasing the excess. And certainly that, that carries over with our voice is like, can I use my breath support? Can I make the sounds? Can I shape the vowels? Can I think the thoughts? Can I share the message with the effort that's necessary, but without a lot of excess, you know, heavy lifting? Ah, yeah. And this, this concept applies to anything we want to do. Everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah. Yeah. That would apply to playing tennis for sure. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've explained kind of the physical aspects of having a voice. What about the, you know, emotional, mental, spiritual aspects to it? Yeah. So on a mental level, I think that we can get stuck when we don't understand how our voice works, when we don't have a clear framework. So that's kind of where the physical and the mental for me interplay is, okay, like, I can embody my voice. I understand what I'm embodying. That helps me on the mental level. And also there are, you know, lots of frameworks that I love about what it means to be present. Like how, how is my energy, my state of presence shifting in any given moment? Am I pulling back? Am I pushing my energy on other people? Am I truly present in this moment? I love frameworks because they help me understand the how. So so I, I'm, I'm constantly introducing, I mean, my latest obsession is polyvagal theory for anyone who knows it. It's kind of cutting edge neuroscience about how our autonomic nervous system works, about how our involuntary nervous system works. And it lets us know that, you know, it's natural for us to go into fight or flight. It's natural for us to go into freeze and freeze or collapse. It's natural for us to fawn. And when we understand the mechanisms that are sending us into those states, then we also can reverse engineer our way back into full presence. So I do think 
I personally think that, you know, for instance, I've taught many public speaking classes in my life. I think a lot of times public speaking gets taught in a way where people say, okay, so talk slower, smile more, gesture here, walk across the stage in that moment. Okay. And great. Now that you have those notes, go practice. And the issue with giving a human that information is they're going to be like, okay, left brain, left brain, left brain, make sure I do the things like just logic, logic, thinking about it. And then they're just going to like kind of, you know, practice and maybe the neurological pathways will find themselves. Maybe they won't. But if you explain to someone like, hey, do you see how you started doing that gesture over and over? That's actually a reflection of your nervous system being in this state. And what we actually want is for your nervous system to be in this state, which is going to make you a lot more comfortable. And the gestures that will come out of that state are so much more natural and free. Mm. So when we give ourselves these frameworks to understand the larger paradigm shift, it's uh, much easier to make changes. So I like to explain to people, I don't just tell people what to do. I tell them also, more importantly, how to do it. We need to understand how to do it. Mm. So for me, that's what the mental is about. And then to speak to the emotional and the spiritual, I mean, this is where I can really like drop into a place that feels so especially important in this moment on our planet. There are a lot of people on this planet who have not felt like they have a voice and they're right. There are frameworks, especially where you and I are sitting here in the United States of America, there are frameworks that allow certain people to have a voice. Other people don't get a voice that creates a culture of imbalance, of supremacy, of a lack of diversity, inclusion. And it's really, really important that we start hearing everyone's voice with equal access to stature so that we understand the world we actually live in, not the world that we're curating that we think we should be living in, you know? So for me, I mean, like removing emotional blocks about the ways in which I didn't give myself permission to be myself. I didn't give myself permission to speak as myself. I mean, in early days of my teaching, I would, you know, wax poetic about the sternocleidomastoid muscle and releasing the tension in the sternocleidomastoid muscle so that you could make a stronger sound. But I was leaving out the part about like, okay, why did your sternocleidomastoid muscle clench in the first place? Like, what were your muscles protecting, right? We have to work in a big way in our society to let human beings know that they're safe and they're, they actually do have freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. And in that way, then we move up to a spiritual level where the collective is getting elevated because again, the vibrations that we're experiencing are reflective of what's actually here instead of who gets permission to speak the loudest. Right, right. Because oftentimes what appears to be a physical issue actually has its roots in the emotional, in the in the spiritual aspects. Yeah. And in fact, honestly, this took me a long time to realize, Jessica, but like always, mm, <laughs> pretty much always. always, because you can't separate the physical from the mental, the mental from the emotional, the emotional from the spiritual. So when there's any form of dis-ease showing up in a human body, it's going to be vibrating through all the levels. And like, it might be helpful for us to, you know, do the work of figuring out where and how it started. Mm -hmm. But the reality is very quickly, there's a physical component, there's a mental component, there's an emotional component, there's a spiritual component, there there is. So, So then the beautiful news is all of those are ways in. Yeah. 
to untangling. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, the quote goes, there are just infinite paths to enlightenment where mm-hmm. any anything that pops up into your life, I'm sure you've seen this with your clients, you know, somebody comes to you with a vocal cord issue and mm-hmm. do you kind of trace it back to you know, what was the trauma or like, was it a childhood thing? I mean, how are you kind of working with people uh, on yeah. on all four levels? Yeah. So really the way I work is like, we create space to ask ourselves, ourselves those questions. A lot of the training that I do is group training. Like for instance, at the beginning of the, what I call the semester, <laughs> I got so used to teaching at university for such a long time, but um, at the beginning of the semester of my annual release your voice class, we have some journaling prompts about like, okay, what has been your history with your voice in your family of origin? Were you encouraged to speak up? Were you told to be quiet? There's almost always aha moments that people have with like, you know, people will come to me and they'll send an email and they'll be like, it was so weird. Just one day in 2017, my voice started hurting. And now like I have trouble at my sales job and I can't be on the phone, et cetera, et cetera. And then as soon as we start getting into a conversation or they start writing about it, they're like, oh yeah, I was going through a divorce, (laughs) you know? And it's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't like, I didn't feel like I was being heard. Mm. Um, So yeah, again, I come back to that central question. What does it mean to have a voice? It means so much. It means so much to have a voice. And it's so painful to not have a voice or not have the voice that you want to have. Yeah. And that kind of harkens back to something you said earlier, which is there's a difference between your authentic voice and even a, a good voice, quote unquote, good what yes. is what is our authentic voice and how do we find that? Mm, oh my gosh, what a million dollar question. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to tap into that for a second. Our authentic voice. So I'll go into quantum mechanics, into like physics for a second here. We may know that every, we may have learned this in school, right? That every element, everything around us, every piece of matter has a vibration. Like I'm looking at the microphone right now. I'm looking at my glass of water. Like these things are vibration on a like quantum mechanics level. And you could also call this like on a, you know, a spiritual level, the universe that we are living in the relative universe is made up of vibration. It's made up of sound. The way I like to think of it is that I, as a human being, Alyssa Weinzimmer, have been designed by universal consciousness to vibrate in a certain way at a certain frequency. And that is when I am most fully expressed as me. Mm. My authentic voice is me vibrating where universal consciousness would have me be. And anything, any diversion from there is not my authentic voice or not totally my authentic voice. You know, I used to listen growing up to a lot of Mariah Carey, Mm -hmm. Whitney Houston. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, when I got older, Adele. And something that I got praised for as a singer was my capacity to sound like other people, to like shape shift my voice and, you know, create these different sounds. And so loving the validation and attention that I got for being able to do that, I mostly focused on that. I mostly focused on like this song should sound like this. This speech, even if I'm not singing, should sound like this. And I think 
I think that that little SH word, that dirty SH word is a really mm-hmm. useful thing to pay attention to. If we ever notice that coming up in our psyche should be like this. There's no should. There is like what feels good and what is, right? Mm-hmm. And so our authentic voice is where we feel good, where we feel expressed, where we feel embodied. And our not authentic voice often is a place we get tangled up in when we're trying to do something we should or be something else other than ourselves. Mm, Like for instance, this is something I've been thinking about recently too. Um, I'm about to start teaching annually. I teach a round of my class called Authentic Voice Academy, which is all about what we're talking about. You know, I think about the way that like I've been standing next to friends sometimes and they're like, okay, hold on one second. I just, I'm going to go live on Instagram. And like, they're talking to me normal. And then suddenly they hold up their phone and they go, hi everybody. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like (laughs) the tone of their voice changes, their physicality changes. It's almost like I can feel like, and I'm saying this because I've done this plenty. Like we jump up out of ourselves into the persona that we're supposed to be on Instagram. What's up? Right. Mm. Like I have influencer friends who, you know, they'll, they'll like get shipped beauty products and stuff. And they're like, okay, hold on one second. I just have to go on Instagram to like, let everyone know about this product. I just got Hi, loves, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and it's like, I mean, you can hear there's a different sound. There's a different quality yes. of energy. Mm-hmm. It, and it, and like, it's not authentic. And Mm -hmm. you know what, like I've been thinking recently about like the fifties housewives vacuuming in the commercials and like, we got taught that this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to step into a different persona. Like my background is, is, is as an actor. Like I know what this is (laughs) to step into a different persona, be like, now I'm doing this. But I, I think, I think we live in such a, a unique and beautiful and obviously messy moment where I think we're all craving like seeing the person that was there before they pressed record. So then Mm. the question becomes like, how do you stay you when you press the red button? Yeah. 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 And it's really self-discovery. You're asking yourself the question of who am I? Yes. And that is a very difficult question because Yes, society shows us these different ways to be and you can be rewarded quite well for kind of acting in that way. What does it really mean to be yourself? I mean, that's a huge risk and it doesn't feel uh, safe. It's, it's kind of the unknown in a sense. Yeah. Well, and if I can like get super soapboxy about it for a second, mm-hmm. I think a lot of this way of being, a lot of this way of shifting our state of presence, like of making ourselves quote unquote presentable, has to do with like deeply ingrained patterns of capitalism, Mm. white supremacy, patriarchy, ways, scripts that we got handed down through generations that we got taught are the way people do things. That's what you should do. And so actually, I think it's a deeply, I think it's a deeply revolutionary act to retain and share our our authentic voice. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's these, again, these scripts, as you say, that keep running. I mean, we don't know even where exactly they came from. They just kind of get passed along through the generations. Yeah. And yes, it is kind of revolutionary to say, hey, this is me. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. fit into these scripts or these rules or these boxes. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. We, I think as people, we actually find that quite attractive in and of itself for somebody to stand up and and be brave like that. 
Yeah, there's a, it, it's a thing. I mean, again, going back to that concept of vibration, it, it's a thing that when we feel that, when we feel, when we sense someone vibrating in the way that universal intelligence would have them vibrate, yeah. our heads turn, our like entire systems perk up. We're like that, that's real, that. Exactly. Because it's, it's such a rare thing. It's such a beautiful thing and courageous thing. And it, it demonstrates a lot of shedding and a lot of um, really mm-hmm. going internally and asking those hard questions. Yeah. I'll even just for fun, give a list of people that I think I'm seeing do this mm-hmm. these days that are like in my consciousness. I'm totally obsessed with Brene Brown. I love mm-hmm. her. She does this. Michelle Obama does this. Rachel Cargill, um, if anyone doesn't know Rachel Cargill's work, she's a um, educator around um, white supremacy and dismantling that culture. Rachel Cargill does this. I mean, there's actually like an endless list. Glennon Doyle just released a mm-hmm. book called Untamed. Glennon Doyle is doing this, right? Mm-hmm. And and we can see, and I'm, I'm listing a bunch of women because I love women. <laughs> <laughs> Barack does it too, Um, you know, but we can like our heads turn like uh, Beyonce does this, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we, you can see like start, I I encourage listeners in this moment, like who are the people around you who are doing this? Ask yourself because you'll see like, oh, right. Like sometimes we use the word someone's presence is magnetic. This -hmm. is the mechanics of why it's magnetic. The physics and the, yeah, just when you <laughs> yeah. go down to like the essential matter, yeah. it's vibration. Yep. So how, how are you finding your voice? I mean, is it just like yeah. a meditative thing inside you? Is it some kind yeah. of daily practice? I mean, what does it look like to dig into that? Thank you for asking. Something that's been really integrative and powerful for me is I've spent so many years as a teacher and recently on my path, I've been handed this opportunity to just really, really get to know my own voice more. I'm totally into astrology. I have a podcast as well. And for anyone who tunes into my podcast, it's called Find Your Voice, Speak Your Truth. My resident astrologer comes on once a quarter. She's a a friend and a teacher of mine and Virginia Rosenberg. And um, Virginia has been telling me for like a couple of years in readings that an aspect of my work that's going to be as big or maybe even like take precedence over the teaching potentially is my work with being a performer again and and my own voice. And I couldn't quite believe that when I first started hearing it. I mean, there was a moment, not a moment, there was a chunk of time during my recovery process from having lost my voice where I was so dissociated that like, I just told people I was not a performer, that that, Mm -hmm. and it was anyone who had known me as a child would have been like, what? (laughs) But I remember like, you know, I was working at a bar in Los Angeles, like right after I graduated, people would come in and they'd be like, are you an actor? And I, I I thought, I felt really clever. I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I was like, I was just lying anyway. So it's been like, first it was, I guess my point is first, it was a process of of reclaiming my identity. (laughs) And then it's been a process of tuning in and seeing what comes up. And like lately, especially with my songwriting, I've started thinking of it not as writing songs, but as like catching songs, as receiving Mm -hmm. songs. Yes. Yeah. I have a practice. I actually have been in order to like get back into the technical aspects of singing. I've been studying classical Indian music, which is so cool to like have a technique that's very different from the technique I learned growing up. Mm -hmm. 
so that's given me like a daily practice that I can do. And I have my movement practice and I, I have my journaling practice and, you know, everything that you think of, like how I can express myself, like those are all pathways. I sometimes like, I highly recommend voice memoing in order to journal if you feel like it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm walking my dog and I'm like, how am I feeling right now? And I'll just turn on my voice memos on my phone. Yeah. So all of those are tools for me. And then it really comes down to like the humility for a whole stretch of my life. I was doing what I was told and I was pushing and forcing and willing my path into, you know, existence Mm -hmm. based on what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And I mean, would I like to be on Broadway at some point still? Totally. I have some ideas of what the show could be, but I know that the path there is going to reveal itself and I don't have to make it happen. All I have to do is show up and keep expressing Hmm. being a channel. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what you said earlier, you know, it comes down to what feels good and what is rather than striving for the next thing and the the greater, better thing, the shiny object thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we live in such an act, or let me put it this way, actually, I'm going to rephrase what I was about to say. We have been living in such an acquisitional culture. We've been living in a culture where the thing that I want is over there and I have to like thrust my body forward and reach to get it. Mm. And the reality is that everything is right here in this moment available now. It's already here. That reminds me of your shift from writing songs to receiving them. I mean, that's a totally different approach to creating. It's not even creating. It's really, you know, almost assembling or gathering kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If anyone um, is familiar with Elizabeth Gilbert and her book, Big Magic, I would, by the way, I would put Elizabeth Gilbert in the category of people who are vibrating with deep authenticity. One of my favorite images from that book is like, she talks about this concept of catching stories, catching writing. And the way she describes it is like, it'll come rushing through. And really the only work that's necessary is like, if it starts racing, if it rushes through and starts racing ahead of her, she might have to like reach and (laughs) grab to catch the tail of it and pull it back in but like it it wasn't it wasn't like created it wasn't like you know it wasn't trudging drudgery work so that's another image of you know catching the inspiration catching the creativity Mm. and what's your relationship with trust and and trusting yourself trusting the world or the higher power because if we move from a place of acquisition to a place of you know receiving and and maybe even surrendering, Mm -hmm. uh, I imagine, you know, it's, we're not projecting ourselves into the future. So it really is like a moment to moment experience of we're so used to, you know, having a plan, having things to get to, but to just be in the present takes a lot of trust. I mean, I'm wondering Mm -hmm. how you conceive of that. Uh, I've been thinking about trust a lot lately. So I discovered something interesting about trust for myself recently. One might think the hardest thing is to trust at all. Something I learned for myself is a difficult thing for me was to not trust, Hmm. to like contain myself, have boundaries, to not automatically trust people and things around me. So I think trust is a balance. I think there's like a space where we're not so closed off that we don't trust and we're not so open that we automatically trust 
but it's something that we actively, you know, and balance is, is not like a fixed state. Ba- balance requires um, adjustment and movement. But for me, trusting is it's staying in like present alignment with what is and really asking myself, like, is there something to open to here? Is there something to contain here? Another aspect of it that I'll say is it feels Yeah. I mean, something I have trouble with is trusting that there's enough time, for instance, Mm. right? Trusting that like things will unfold in the right timing, that I shouldn't have to like make the timing happen. And in order to settle into that place, I come to a concept that's called yielding. And this is, I mean, we know what yielding is. Yielding is the yellow sign when you're driving, right? (laughs) But yielding is also, it's a piece of vocabulary that comes from body-mind centering, that um, somatic practice that I mentioned I'm nearly certified in. In body-mind centering, we define yielding as the act of being in present contact with your supporting surfaces. Hmm. So for instance, if anyone listening is sitting right now or even standing, like notice where the chair, the ground is supporting you and how since the ground, the chair is doing that work, you don't have to. This kind of goes back to that idea of economy of effort too. Like, oh, most of the effort of making sure I don't fall through to the center of the earth is on the floor, on the chair right now. I don't have to worry so much about it. That's a physical way of talking about yielding. And of course, yielding is also a mental, emotional, spiritual thing to be doing. And yielding is when I really feel the support that is here for me now so that I don't have to push ahead. I don't have to pull back. I can yield in this moment. And and so I would say in some ways, yielding and trusting for me are the same thing. Just mm-hmm. like really noticing where I am. Yeah, and acknowledging that we are supported. Physically, we're always supported by the ground, um, but certainly emotionally, spiritually, I mean, we have communities around us. We have all of history before us. And yeah, there really is a lot of support. I mean, we have the sun that gives us energy. I mean, I I like that. We're yielding to what is and to recognize Mm -hmm. that we are like a small piece of the whole. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I get out of the, this needs to happen now energy. <laughs> I know. I, I feel that the, the kind of rushing, hurried, fre- like frenetic kind of energy of next, 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 you know, more, more, more kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, thank goodness for this global pandemic. Mm-hmm. The whole I used to I used to pray for a pause button. I would make jokes. I'd be like, "Oh, can tomorrow just be pause button day? I'm tired, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know." And the truth is, like, I've been working. I haven't like been resting in like a total pause button way during this pandemic. But on some level, like things as they have been, life as it has quote unquote normally been is paused, and we get to see that we still have what we need in this moment. Like I've got air, I've got water, I've got shelter. I hope, I hope those listening have these things, you know, and we start to realize like what's really necessary, what's really necessary. Yeah. When we can take that pause, we can discover, we don't necessarily have to be that person who's rushing around. 
you know, doing mm-hmm. you know, 10 things at once. And what does it mean to just be and not to, ju- not to do just, just to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm still learning it. Yeah. No, so I'll we, keep we talking about it. <laughs> exactly. I'll keep talking about it. Cause like, Ooh, yeah. A dose of what Jessica just said, keep, let it keep sinking in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what your thoughts are um, going back to authenticity. Mm-hmm. Is that fluid? Like, are we so many pieces to a puzzle, like a mosaic or does our authentic self actually change over time? Like what is authenticity? Mm. I think we're fluid. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can change from moment to moment, from second to second. Like I could authentic, I mean, if we're talking emotions, I could authentically be angry in one moment and authentically crying in the next, right? It's just about being honest and present with what is flowing through in the moment. A practice that I have in like it's very central in in my work and my teaching is what I call the voice body connection process, which is a way of asking what am I feeling right now? But if you think about it, the word feeling means a bunch of different things. This happens in English all the time that we're like, what does that word actually mean? Because it means five different things. Feeling could mean the sensation. Feeling could mean the thought. Feeling could mean the emotion. Feeling could mean the desire, what I want. It probably could mean even more than that, but those are the four questions that I ask in the voice body connection process. So we can even all do it together right now. Mm-hmm. If, if everyone listening tunes in for a moment to asking what is the strongest sensation in your body right now? Listen, feel for the strongest sensation. And whatever you get first is great. Mine was a little bit of coolness on my skin because my air conditioner just kicked on. <laughs> And then the second part is, what do I think is the stimulus that led me to feel that? I just told you it's my air conditioner kicking on. So you can ask yourself, what is the stimulus for your sensation to the best of your intuition? And then third, do I have any emotions about noticing all of this? My emotion is gratitude. It's nice to feel the coolness and have an air conditioner. And then fourth is, do I have any desires related to all of this? And it would be like to keep staying temperate. And of course, that was a pretty, you know, benign, basic example that I just offered. And I hope you listening went through it too. But sometimes it can be something really deep. Like I'm feeling a a pit in my heart. And I think it's because I'm grieving X, Y, and Z. And that makes me feel deep sadness. And what I really want is to be reunited with my loved one, let's say, you know? So like this gives us a sense of what we're feeling. And then of course, once we can name it for ourselves, we can express it, which is where it moves from the body experience into the vocal experience. For me, authenticity is about being able to tap in in any moment and be like, what's here? That's another way of asking all these questions is like, what's here? So it definitely changes now changes. I could say like, so good to see you right now. And then a minute later, I could say so good to see you right now, but it's a new now and I might might be different, you know? So yeah. So I think our, I think our authentic self is definitely something that changes. And 
So then I would offer like, give yourself permission. Like sometimes when I'm working with entrepreneurs, especially, which is a lot of my private clients are entrepreneurs, they'll be like, okay, I have to figure out my authentic message and my authentic self. And I'm like, okay, we can do that right now. And then let's do it again differently tomorrow. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like, I mean, there's, there's often a through line that comes through that's clear, but yeah, I think it's really nice to give ourselves permission to be like, oh, my authentic voice, my authentic message can change. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are little ways for us to speak our truths and to express that? So I'll, I'll just kind of tap back into what we just did and say that that voice body connection process is a great to practice. I mean, the truth is I created it because I wanted it for myself mm-hmm. and I, I, I use it all the time. I also forget to use it all the time, <laughs> but I use it all the time. There's actually, if you go to my website to voicebodyconnection.com, it's like right up there at the top of the website that you can sign up for the mini course that explains it more fully, what I just talked us through. And there's a PDF you can get that like has it all broken down. I would just say that that's a really easy tool to start getting into the practice of asking yourself, what are my sensations right now? What's my thought about why they're occurring? What's, what are my emotions about that? What are my desires? That's going to give you a pathway over and over to start dropping deep, more deeply, more deeply into like, oh, that's what's going on for me right now. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, something as simple as I feel my feet on the floor right now. I feel the breath moving in and out of my nostrils. Any presence mindfulness practice is going to bring us to a place where we come into alignment with now. We yield and we understand where we are authentically. And we can do this work in a split second. You know, there's not really any reason to be like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll figure out my authentic self tomorrow. Mm. (laughs) I'll get around to that. It's like, no, we can we can do it right now. It's it's all here. It's already here. It's that little window into self-realization. And mm-hmm. as we develop that kind of practice of doing that, the deeper we will know ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that tool because I, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's something, you're right. Like it's not something we, we necessarily need to delay. I mean, you can ask yourself a question in a split second and then kind of reflect on that and, we all are feeling something. And so we, we can understand like, what is that feeling? We connect back into the body, back into the presence. And from there, the, the authenticity will just reveal itself. Mm-hmm. And just also to give a little bit of a frame too, for why this is so valuable is like, think about what most people say when you ask them how they are. Most of us would respond with, I'm good. I'm fine. You can even hear my vocal inflection is like, no, 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 no. It's like, mm. it's up higher. Yeah. That's, that's the script that we've been taught, but it's probably most of the time not totally in alignment with what's true. <laughs> so, I mean, just even imagine for a second the different world we would live in if we felt the permission to be like, I feel pain right now. I feel sad. I feel tingles in my fingertips, <laughs> you know? That's just so much more. It's like, oh, hello, human being in front of me who feels tingles in their fingertips. Now I'm really here. That lands me in a way that I'm good. I'm fine. Doesn't. Right. Right. And I love what you're saying about allowing and and granting yourself permission because, and then also others permission to feel and to express that. 
because mm-hmm. once we kind of begin doing that for ourselves, we can we can do that for others. Mm, exactly. That's the mechanics of how it works. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> wow. This has been such like a feel good kind of conversation. Yeah. You know? I feel us in a meditative state right now, Jessica. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wow, we feel, yeah. Things are kind of flowy, dreamy, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said I was into astrology. Also, I'll tell everyone that we're recording this inside the um, Pisces full moon, which mm-hmm. is like very, like you just used the perfect words, flowy, dreamy. That's Ooh. where we are. Ooh, mm-hmm. thanks. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Makes sense. We're, we're right on schedule. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really appreciate like you sharing this because when I first like saw your work, I was like, wait a minute. She mm-hmm. went from kind of discovering her own voice and, and like the physical mechanics of it to really unearthing the spiritual aspects. And mm. I was like, what, what does that mean? What is that? And I feel like we've really talked about that to the point where it's about, you know, what you mentioned with capitalism, with patriarchy, <laughs> you know, it just went yeah. way back in time, but then it just all of a sudden consolidated into this present. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm biased, but <laughs> I think that finding our voices and speaking our truth is the most important work we can do now on this planet. That's what I think. So I'm on a mission (laughs) to support that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And even just pondering what that means. I mean, that is so powerful. Mm, Agreed. Well, thank you for joining us and and sharing because it's hard work to kind of know yourself and to be vulnerable and to be authentic. And I think what you've done and continue to do and honestly even say, hey, I'm also a work in progress. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that is setting an example for others. So thank you, Alyssa. You're so, so welcome. I love that. I'm just going to repeat what you said. It's hard work to know yourself. Yeah, it is. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm.